0: This is, no, this is the media majors the podcast. singing, stop stop singing with the This too. is media majors. I'm We're Liam Senior. This is here. Tom Lockney. Tom, Jesus Christ, this is the, this is the this I is didn't the theme. watch this. This is gonna be the theme of the podcast. And you are didn't singing over it. It. Never watched it. This is Media Majors. Hey
1: everybody, welcome to the Media Majors podcast, starring yours truly, Tom Lockney, and your friend and mine.
0: Liam Sr.
1: Yeah, yeah, we are. I'm uh,
0: also yours truly, though. <laughs>
1: Oh, you know it. Uh, <laughs>
0: we,
1: we talk about major media on this podcast. Liam's a movie guy. I'm the game guy. And We talk about fun stories from each of our preferred mediums.
0: That's a, that is exactly correct. That is, think of it as learning and laughing and loving.
1: I mm, oh, so much loving. A lot of love. A <laughs> lot, lot of, of loving. love on this podcast. And this Mostly is going to be loving. there's going to be a lot of love on this episode in particular because I'm going to start us off with my story. It's not about it's not about a person. It's about it's about a thing. It's about a thing. Summer camp.
0: Summer camp. Yes. What?
1: Uh, it starts, tell me.
0: Tell me the rest of this.
1: It starts in 1995 on AOL. Ooh. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Get out your get out your free ninety day
0: trials, guys. Ninety five AOL. Are we gonna get cybered? Oh yeah, we're gonna get cybered. I'm talking about Camp Hyrule. Camp- Ooh, Camp Hyrule. I don't know what this is. I'm concerned. It sounds like a place where men dress as Zelda to fuck children dress as Link.
1: Well, fortunately, it was online only, so they could only lure children to come and fuck them dressed as Link. However, (laughs) it it was sponsored, obviously, by Nintendo of America, uh, and it it was specifically ran by the counselors, quote-unquote, or people who worked at the now-defunct Nintendo Power Magazine, pour some out
0: for one's homies. I have so many issues of that in my childhood bedroom.
1: I do. Nintendo Power was the shit. I'm so- It was the shit. Uh, but it was not. On- camp Hyrule was an online simulation of a summer camp. Uh, y- you know, uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna send you a quick image just so you get the idea. But if uh, listeners just Google Camp Hyrule,
0: it looks like a very small theme park map. There's a DK Jungle Bongo Place, a Metroid ship, a Pokemon town. Oh, it kind of looks like the if you put all the super original uh, Super Smash Bros. stages in like a theme part map, yeah. almost.
1: Well, it changed from year to year, sometimes to reflect Termina from uh, Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask, because they wanted mm-hmm. to promote that game. Some of the featured landmarks would be uh, The Lost Woods, which was a chat room for discussion of the Legend of Zelda series. Oh boy, uh, Kirby, I bet you
0: I bet you, that's what it intended to be, but that was not what it was at all.
1: Kirby's mess
0: hall, a chat
1: formerly called, quote, mess hall, until Kirby took over. Uh, users were virtually fed food, and it was a general discussion chat. By the way, this is the birthplace of Vor. I don't know if you ah, knew that. Ah, there you go. Yeah. I was
0: wondering when we'd get to that.
1: Kirby's the original Vore hound. Oh yeah. <laughs> Mister, Oh God, Mr. Pickle's crib. I didn't see this before. Oh no! Oh my God! A chat only open to Nintendo of America Sean when he decided to use it. Who? I th- these are you. You're gonna hear a lot of names. You're gonna hear a lot of usernames that don't mean much. Are probably Nintendo pa- Nintendo Power people or gotcha. random uh, folks from the internet because registration was open for about a week. July to early August.
0: How long did uh, Camp Hyrule last?
1: From 1995 to 2007. Uh-huh. It eventually moved okay. off of AOL. Thank God. Um, but yeah, they would open registration up for about a week. Uh, they would... It, it was unlimited membership. Like, any any number of people could show up. But to register, you had to acquire a, quote, My Nintendo account, which w- we might now know as Club Nintendo in, in mm-hmm. the United States. And the site's format was... Kind of similar to Homestar Runner, where where you would click around and play, like, crude Flash mini games. This was very much early internet. People trying to, like, figure out what you could do with it uh, uh, other
0: than stalk and harass people. Wow, we dropped the ball on the internet, didn't we? Oh,
1: yeah. Oh, we sure did. Oh, we sure did. Yikes. Hey, hey, you know what? We had a win. We had a win. Milo Yiannopoulos isn't on Twitter anymore. Mm. Thank God.
0: Raise the roof. Oh, yeah. Raise the roof. All right, I'm waiting. I am I am so nervous for when this story turns darker.
1: <laughs> uh, well, now that you mention it, i'm gonna I'm gonna send uh, you another link to a flash game and I'm gonna describe it. This is the only footage I could find of one of these flash games and it's resting marshmallows. And it's an anthropomorphic marshmallow
0: uh-huh. which oh, God
1: really brings a lot of moral themes into question. Because there's an animation of the mushroom burning alive, screaming on fire. You
0: said mushroom when you meant marshmallow. Mm, Marshmallow, my bad. I got Nintendo. Well, it's Nintendo. Yeah, that's why I laughed. Oh God!
1: Right? It's
0: it's. Oh Lord, he's happy. It's horrific. He's He's saying This is very. This is
1: very. This is Proto Sausage Party. Ha! The mascot was a mouthless horse named Stumpy. No, it wasn't. Yes, it was. He would roam the camp randomly and you could see him.
0: What the fuck? Like
1: any camp, they would hold events. Some of them were goofy, fun shit. Face painting, they would put up pictures of of Nintendo of America. People and folks could like face paint over it. So
0: weird. Oh yeah, a
1: lot of dicks drawn, I'm sure. Just a couple other things that you might come across on the campgrounds. Lake Webaconda, the water sports area.
0: That uh, <laughs> phrasing.
1: Oh, and and maniacs cave. Maniacs cave is my favorite because it's a secret chat room where the oh, no. camp maniac would occasionally come out and boot everybody out of the chat.
0: Weird and scary. Hey
1: listeners. Hey, li- hey listeners.
0: Hey, bud. Hey, come guys. in real close, listeners. Hey guys. Take a seat right here. Oh, step on the step on the curtain with me. I don't know if I want to go behind this curtain. Come behind
1: the curtain with me. We're gonna, let's, yeah, uh, this is kind of special because Liam and I know each other.
0: From summer camp.
1: Yeah, we went to the same summer camp for a while. And that's part of why I picked this topic is because I think it's a great avenue to talk about the fucked up shit that happens at summer camps and what's sort of analogous in Camp Hyrule.
0: Okay, I like that. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Because there is a Camp Maniac at every camp we won't name names i don't think we should name names
0: absolutely not
1: but we did i'll name the camp i think that's safe
0: yeah, we went same. to a camp Camp's called fine.
1: camp shahola i worked there for a year and that year was the first year that it was an explicit rule that you could not beat the campers <laughs> that was four years ago this summer so just to give you an idea of the environment that was there a couple of things you know you know just fun stuff Campers get up getting up to mischief, you know, in the in the forms and the boards, face painting on the Nintendo of America employees. That was sort of like us. We'd you know, yeah, yeah. You know we'd
0: get up to some we'd chicanery. S- we once snuck outside and slept on the blacktop.
1: I once snuck outside and saw a counselor getting a blow job from another counselor. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, very different.
1: Very different. This was my working senior year, which is you're the oldest campers,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the cabin below us, cabin 15 or 16 or what, what the fuck ever, had staged a prank and blamed us for it. And so we lost all of our, like, senior camper privileges. And so we were like, fuck these kids. We're going to get them back. And so we went with buckets of water balloons and squirt guns and went into their cabin at, like, I, I, I don't know, like, 3 in the morning, pretty much. And we warned their counselors ahead of time and pelted them with water balloons Love and it. squirt guns because fuck those kids. That's an asshole move.
0: That is and, a dick move.
1: And then, you know, we all scatter because we don't want to get busted. And, uh, I went by what was called ComTech, uh, where, you know, all the computer shit was, and there was a swing, kind of one of those, like, wide porch swings, and I thought, oh, I'll be really sneaky, I'll cut through ComTech, plus, like, one of the counselors lives here, like, I'll be, I'll be badass. Yeah. And I couldn't see, because it was, it was three in the fucking morning, and I hear a a wet noise. That's the only way to describe it. (laughs) I heard the noise, and I stopped, and then the noise stopped, and then I saw a light shine in my face, and I went, I didn't see anything, and I heard a British voice go, Hey, mate, you didn't fucking see nothing. Go back to your fucking cabin. That's my British impression. Sorry. That was
0: amazing. It felt like Nigel Thornberry came mm. in.
1: And there was certainly drama that got up at uh, Camp Hyrule. Uh, not quite, you know, <laughs> counselors...
0: Fucking each other in public,
1: <laughs> but you know typical typical things with online stuff. Uh, login, registration, not registering, things like that, and that's not interesting. What is interesting is at the end of anyone who's ever attended a summer camp knows at the end of camp they give out awards. Uh, you know, of course. best camper, best rock climber, w- whatever.
0: Best blowjob.
1: <laughs>
0: the coveted best blowjob award. Best.
1: So I'm gonna read to you. Uh, the list of some of these, and I'm gonna have you guess what you think these might be. I'll give you, I'll give you one guess for each, just to keep things
0: popping. Let's let's do this. Carrot
1: Top Award.
0: <laughs> well, obviously for for the reddest hair and the buffest bod. Most humorous. <laughs> Gilbert. <laughs> I know. Really. Nope, that's not what that award's for. Poorly named. For biggest trunk full of garbage. <laughs> Gilbert Godfrey Award. For worst voice. No, actually, for worst things said about the Japanese.
1: Oh, God, that's right. Uh, most annoying, you were close. The Barney Award.
0: Uh, for drunkest inside a dinosaur costume. Yes.
1: Most friendly. Well, most friendly is, which technically you were right. Basically. Mel Gibson Award.
0: Uh, well, most he's <laughs> medic.
1: <laughs> I don't know what that's for, but I knew you'd, I, I, I set you up and you knocked it down.
0: Teletubbies Award. Uh, most loads blown. What does that mean? I don't know, but it sounded funny. Uh, most childlike. Ew. Yeah. Just as creepy as what I said.
1: 007 award. Award Uh, is misspelled. Most
0: pussies fingered.
1: Smoothest camper. Ew. So yeah.
0: Nintendo. We would have dates with the girls camp across the road, and there was lots of activities that happened. Mostly capture the flag. Oh, you mean like <laughs> fisting and yes. uh, felching and uh, rimming.
1: Hell yeah. All this information comes from th- the awards, comes from a user by the name of the Honey Badger. Well, and, I'd make uh, a clever
0: joke, but the internet has destroyed any concept of a honey badger.
1: They've misspelled award every single time. A-W-A-R-D.
0: That's how uh, you spell award.
1: Zestfully
0: clean. Wait, hold on, hold on. That's how you spell award is A-W-A-R-D. How did they misspell it? Wait, oh my god. <laughs> no! I was an English major!
1: No. Oh.
0: <laughs> Incredible. Oh,
1: no! Why did I do this to me? <laughs> uh, zest... Oh, ah! This is so appropriate. Zestfully clean. For the cleanest? The cleanest no. language? That should have been a th- an award at uh, Shahola because then campers would have washed themselves. There was a boy who got locked out of his cabin because he didn't shower or bathe for two weeks.
0: What did he look like at that point?
1: They were like, uh, this is not a joke, they were like open sores.
0: Ew, 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 ew. They had to, They had to
1: li- hella lift this guy, this kid, out. That was also because our camp was terrible and didn't have any insulin for his diabetes, but also he probably would have been a little better off if he had bathed.
0: Yeah, seriously. It would have got- given us an extra day to get the helicopter
1: in. <laughs> Zestfully clean means best speller, typo-free chatter. Ew. Which I certainly would not have won. Because Because you can't, you don't know how to properly spell award. Because I don't know how to spell award and I want to be a...
0: You want to be a writer. writer. Yeah.
1: Oh, the John Belushi Award.
0: Oh, for funniest dead brother.
1: (laughs) Best food
0: fighter. All right, that's fair. Wait, John Belushi? John Belushi. Yeah, like I, they got it wrong. I mean, I got it wrong because Jim Belushi is is the funniest one. He said <laughs> la- lying. Okay, I just, just a couple
1: more. Okay, this one is misspelled. Lost Ark Award Ark spelled A R C. Oh no. That's A R K. Yeah. That's A R K.
0: What's the Lost Ark Award for? Best Cabin Raider.
1: I don't really know how you do that because all the cabins were also online.
0: Yeah that's just the best hacker award which way they would've called like best swordfish or something stupid like that. Uh, swordfish is a hacker movie.
1: There's there's the Triforce award which is the MVP. most power
0: and wisdom. Yes. Uh and then the last one the Marilyn Manson award. Uh for least ribs inside your own body.
1: <laughs> well, technically true the scariest camper award. Oh. Timely timely reference. So so that's sort of the the broad strokes of Camp Hyrule. It seems like, a, actually, it sounds better than summer camp. I, I, I could literally go on for hours about how fucked up the summer camp that we attended and I worked at was.
0: Wait, can you tell the story about the time that they didn't do enough background research into a kid?
1: Oh my god. I don't want to give away I
0: don't wanna give away why, but
1: <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. This is such a sad story. It's this
0: sad, is... but it also shows that like do a Google search. Like how
1: yeah, how incompetent these people were at their jobs. So I don't think it's unfair to say his name, Duncan Barger. It's on the website.
0: Yeah, he's he's the face of the camp.
1: Yeah. And he's uh, so weird. He is he is a sketchy dude, really sketchy. Um Duncan had a nasty habit of just not telling the counselors when their kids had issues,
0: which is something and counselors should know yeah. right away.
1: It was like, okay, this kid has peanut allergies, and yeah, not it's basically, tell yeah. like all the all the psychological problems that kid had. And so there's the this little boy from Russia. Oh boy, he shows up at the camp, and he's like twelve, and everybody, everybody, you know, th- there were a lot of. The shitty fucked up people who worked at that camp but to their credit they really tried to work with this kid and and help him out support him because there was clearly something and these are other that,
0: like these counselors are also children they're <laughs> like they are oh yeah yeah they are I walked
1: students. in on a guy I walked in a guy with uh with a vial full of steroids in his butt like he was just shooting up in the council. Like cabin. these
0: aren't the brightest trained
1: people, people one time, one time, you're gonna have to bleep this name. Mm-hmm. Took two CITs into cabin eight, put newspapers over the the doors, like that's not sketchy as hell, and got blackout wasted puking all over the floor. Like they all were like they had to clean up their own vomit. Ew. And everybody knew what was going on. It was for their day off. If you're ugh oh, so, Wait, so he this, was in this... charge
0: of a cabin, locked himself in the cabin, and got blackout drunk by himself?
1: The cabin was empty, and he was with two, uh, was empty of campers. Oh, okay. He went in there with two CITs, which are, uh, at that training. age, 16 Ugh. to 18. Yeah, not cool.
0: <laughs> and also, gross. You have to clean up your own vomit. That's no fun. Yeah.
1: Gross. Uh, and so this Russian kid shows up, and something's wrong with him. He can't use the restroom... He he freaks out. He he like has panic attacks. Something is he's not. He doesn't act like somebody his age does. Like again, clearly something has happened to this kid, or he's on the spectrum. Uh, and and uh he's twelve, and he doesn't understand like his strengths. So he'll like he he like hit counselors, not knowing like how hard he was doing it, or, or campers even, and. Duncan just kept telling us, hey, just don't worry about it with this kid. Just don't worry about it with this kid.
0: Turns out! Turns out.
1: Turns out! This kid uh, was living with a foster family at the time because his original family burned to death, and he heard them because he hid in the bathroom, which was the only part of the building that didn't burned to the fucking ground. And so this kid... Got shipped was, to a
0: summer camp!
1: <laughs> yeah, by his foster family, which was, Kudos. like, wicked, not Kudos cool. Kudos to them. Yeah.
0: Well, um, okay, I can so, understand they want to try to get him to socialize, but come on, yeah. man! Uh, well, you know what? Not their fault, because
1: they probably thought, oh, hey, Duncan Barger will let the counselors know what happened to this kid, kid. so they're equipped. And the counselors that were with them, one of them, they were both 18. They were both eight. 18 year olds. 18! 18! I didn't know how to do shit when I was 18. I, I could barely be a functional human being. And they were put in charge of a, a kid with profound PTSD. Probably...
0: Uh, like a crippling amount. Someone who needed yeah. full time care.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Somebody, yeah. somebody who needed like an honest to God caretaker, not a couple of 18 year old counselors Who are more who, worried
0: about trying to like get pussy and figure out a way to drink.
1: Exactly, it was it was a mess, and that poor kid.
0: That poor, uh, poor kid <laughs> left the
1: camp after after a week. Oh man, I hope he's okay. Much like that, this story doesn't have a very happy ending either. Oh it's not it's not as depressing. Few things could be as depressing as that poor kid. See, story. we told
0: you that story, so the ending of Camp Nintendo, you're not gonna be so bummed. Cause my story's also kind of a bummer.
1: <laughs> oh, good, good, good. By the end of, of its its run in, in uh, oh, when was it, 2000, what I say, 2007, uh, that was the year uh, it's the Nintendo Insider forums closed down because there was a uh, changing of hands. Nintendo Power was no longer an in-house publication from Nintendo, and it was then a publication of Future U.S. In 2007, it switched hands. Mm-hmm. And so that was the last year that there was a Camp High Roll because it was the Nintendo Power folks that ran this thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it, it's it's no more. There's there's archived things if you go on the Wayback Machine. I think you can access archived uh, caches of the website. But this fun thing that a lot of people clearly loved um, is is no more. And it's, so it is in the internet era. Life is transient. We're all gonna die. That's my bummer story <laughs> for this week.
0: That's not that much of a bummer, things things go.
1: Yeah, things go. You know, you, you, can, you can always watch that video
0: of the Marshmallow Man immolating. I thought it was gonna be much darker, so I'm relieved. So you talk about magazines. This story has a little bit to do with magazines, but before that, August 31st, 12 AD. You always
1: like, you like bringing it back. I do, you like, I like you telling like a full story. Well, it's important.
0: Uh born Gaius Julius Caesar Germanicus, not that Julius Caesar though, the Emperor no. Caligula was a member of <laughs> the House of Rulers, conventionally known as the Julian Julio-Claudian dynasty. Um there are actually few surviving sources about the Emperor of Caligula, although he is described as a noble and moderate ruler during the first six months of his reign, but after that the sources focus upon his cruelty, sadism, extravagance, and the most important part, Sexual perversity. So that's our little thesis. December 17th, 1930, Brooklyn, New York. Robert Guccione was born in Brooklyn of Sicilian descent and raised Catholic in Bergenfield, New Jersey. His father, Anthony, was an accountant and his mother, Nina, was a housewife. He was considered but rejected entering the priesthood. In his teens, he married his first wife, Lillian Becker. The marriage failed, and he left his child and I'm wife to go to Europe to be a painter.
1: We all know how many of those teenage weddings Never work out.
0: works out, you know. If yeah. Learned something from Romeo and Juliet. He eventually met an English woman, Muriel, moved to London with her, and married her, and they had four more kids. So he had a big family. had to support his family, and he managed really? a chain of laundromats until he got work as a cartoonist. Oh, on an American okay, cool. weekly newspaper, The London American.
1: That does not make any sense. That is an oxymoron. I know.
0: And then his wife started making pinup posters. So we noticed the oh. sales of pinup posters did a lot better than all of his other things. Pinup posters, yeah. are, of course, have shots of women. And this was Sex at the sells. same time as a guy named Hugh Hefner was making a little magazine called Playboy. Oh. So Bob Guccione thinks, I can do that. Penthouse Magazine started publications in 1965 under Bob, Whoa, okay. Gu- under Bob Guccione, He's the founder of Penthouse.
1: Look okay, I was that. not aware. It's... Look at that. Learning, learning and loving. Wait till you
0: see where the story goes. Ooh. Um, so the point of Penthouse was he wanted it to be more editorial content and wanted it to be more sensational than Playboy. Mm. Uh, so not only were there suggestive pictures, but it was more stories about government cover-ups and scandals. Uh, a lot of famous writers actually have worked on on it and exposed a bunch of corruption and scandals of the government.
1: A little bit of yellow journalism, uh,
0: I presume. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, Guccioni had no professional training, but he was an art painter, so he just used that. It was more sexually explicit than Playboy at, in the era. It was the first to show female pubic hair first to show full frontal nudity, and the first to show exposed vulva and anuses. Uh, Oh. Yeah. Hey, cool. It also had pictures of Madonna before she was Madonna, and then used to blackmail her with it. Uh, In the 90s, the magazine began to even started, you know, not started, but was a big proponent of fetish content, such as urination, bondage, and facials were a big thing.
1: Wow, I didn't realize how deep, how hard the paint, pen. man. Well,
0: Tom... All of this actually serves a point to a larger story. Uh, you're gonna, you're oh. gonna, lo- oh yeah, you're gonna love this. So this isn't the story of Penthouse. Oh, this Ooh. is not. The st- we haven't gotten. Remember, my stories are about movies and television.
1: This is true. This We're is still true. in.
0: We're still in the background part. Okay. Uh, as the magazine grew more successful, Guccione embraced luxury. He had the largest mansion in Manhattan for a while at 22,000 square feet, which was actually for a very long time the largest private residence in New York City. So this is a guy who, from nothing, figured out he could make a lot of money doing stuff that he had no formal training in, using sex to sell everything, and profit from it. Right. America. Um, so... yeah. The men's magazine Penthouse actually had been involved in film funding. In the 70s, it funded the Chinatown and the Longest Yard and the Day of the Locust, but it had never produced a film on its own. Did you
1: say the Chinatown or Chinatown? Chinatown.
0: Oh, oh, okay. the Chinatown.
1: Ooh, got a tan and a pretty sweet pie. Good movie. I
0: believe uh, Robert Evans was a producer of Chinatown. Robert Evans is mm-hmm. this big hot. I, we're gonna do. Ro- I'm gonna do Robert Evans as a separate story later on. It's gonna be fucking great.
1: I would love to hear you do Robert. Evans.
0: <laughs> yeah, you would. No, Robert Evans is crazy. So it would, does not surprise me that he was probably friends with Guccione and got him to put some money in Chinatown.
1: Mm. Okay.
0: So the magazine's founder Bob Guccione wanted to produce an explicit adult film within a feature film narrative that had high production values. So he decided to produce a film about the rise and fall of Roman Emperor Caligula. Oh my god. Development began under producer Franco Rossellini. This is also like the most Italian film ever made. Um, (laughs) uh, A screenplay was written by Lena Wertmuller, (laughs) but Guccioni rejected her screenplay. But guess who he hired to rewrite the screenplay? Al Pacino. Gore Vidal. Oh, oh, okay. So he got famous writer and philosopher and just general, like, pundit thinker Gore Vidal to write. Oh, my God. And now, apparently, he hated Godal's script. Uh, It was had a strong, strong focus on homosexuality because Gore Vidal was gay and only had one heterosexual fuck scene in it. Uh, so they argued and argued and argued over rewrites to the point of where Guccione demanded to take his... Uh, sorry, uh, demanded to take his name off of the movie, even though the movie at that point was called Gorvidal's Caligula. And Guccione did tons of rewrites and toned down the homosexuality stuff. Uh, and toned... And the oh By the way, the only heterosexual scene was between Caligula and his sister. <laughs> that was the only heterosexual Ew. sex scene.
1: Ew! I've... I mean... Oh, we, we're, I mean, that tracks, yeah.
0: that tracks Caligula. We're still on, we're Caligula? still on part three.
1: Oh, Caligula was like a nasty
0: boy. He was, he was a dirty oh, boy. Oh, Caligula was a dirty boy. Okay. So, Guccione wanted this to be like his Citizen Kane. Gore Vidal was paid 200000 for the screen, uh, $200,000 for the screenplay that they didn't even end up using.
1: It's like Skyrim with fucking.
0: Uh, three directors turned down, including the screenwriter that he fired. Uh, and then we okay. got Italian filmmaker Tinto Brass, who directed a porno called Salon Kitty. That, if you look at that, uh, Salon Kitty's Wikipedia page, uh, one of the C also links is The Party at Kitty and Studs from the first episode. Sylvester Stallone's porno. Call callback. Back. Uh, so Tinto Brass uh, directed it with basically Guccione directing it as well. Apparently, Brass had a very reputation for being brass and difficult to work with, and Guccione thought hey. that a film of this epic proportion would definitely keep Tinto Brass in line. Uh, in a Time magazine interview, Vidal said that in the film production, directors were parasites. Brass demanded Vidal's removal from the set, and Guccione agreed. Vidal eventually filed a contract dispute and wanted 10% of the profits, and it just got so out of hand that Vidal's name was removed and they basically paid him off. Uh, and that they yeah. you know, they they agreed Yikes. on it being adapted from a screenplay by Gore Vidal. No official screenwriter was credited.
1: Hmm, that's never that's never made for a bad movie.
0: So, casting: Malcolm oh, McDowell, yeah, Helen juice. Mirren, Peter O'Toole, and Sir John Gielgud were all cast and are in the movie. I'll re I'll re-go that list again because the top three are insane. It is Malcolm McDowell, Helen Mirren, and Peter O'Toole. This is in the 70s before any of them really had any big careers going on. I think Malcolm McDowell had done Clockwork Orange by this point, though, uh, which at the time was still a very small film. Only one actress, when learning about what the film was about, um, was recasted. Uh, Maria Schneider uh, was cast as Caligula's sister and recast as Teresa Ann Savoy, who worked on Salon Kitty with Tinto Brass. So they hired in a porn actress, essentially.
1: You know my favorite part about Helen Mirren is right Uh, now? That she did this movie. Well, that she did this movie. Her entire body of work, she's wonderful. And do you saw? Did you see what she said about I- Idris Elba when she met what? him? Quote: I was so dumbstruck by how gorgeous he was. I could hardly get a word out. Oh my god, he is so beautiful. Love it.
0: I would watch them have sex, and it would be the most beautiful thing in the world. She's she's also fucking. Gore was at Gore Vidal was actually instrumental to get Malcolm McDowell, who yes had just done Clockwork Orange. Okay. And by the time Your Malcolm McDowell went to set, of course, yep. By the time Malcolm McDowell went to set, Gore Vidal was no longer a part of it. So, mm. yeah, Helen Mirren was primarily known as a Shakespearean actress at the time, and track, yeah. uh, Malcolm McDowell is the one who talked her into it. Uh, you only see her bare bottom in it, I believe, uh, but that doesn't matter because you still see a fuck ton of other things. Uh, in retrospect, Helen Mirren now says the film was like being on an acid trip. It had its good moments and it had its bad moments and it was a fantastical journey. Hmm. It went where angels fear to tread.
1: That's a very, very polite deflection of saying this movie was a weird, horrible experience.
0: Yeah. Um, it said that Mirren had to leave the film for the first cut because, uh, oh, it said that, (laughs) sorry, it said that Mirren had to leave, uh, to be, uh. It is said that Mirren had to leave to be sick the first time she saw the huge set, which was populated almost entirely by naked people. Mm. So the first day said her. she had to leave. I don't blame her. Yeah. Uh, when it was completed four months after, uh, you know, it was completed in four months, Tinto Brass had shot 120 miles of film.
1: Oh my fucking God. Hey, we got 124 miles of dicks! 124!
0: Actually, No. And although the cast did not know it at the time, Guccione had secretly also saw, shot some scenes of his own. Oh my Guccione God. Guccione decided after one visit to the film set while Brass was in the midst of shooting a sexually explicit sequence. Basically, Guccione was on set one day and Tinto Brass was filming a sex scene and Guccione was like, all these extras are super ugly. I don't like what you're doing. And Tinto Brass was like, too bad. So Bob Guccione was like, fine, I'll just sneak in. He snuck in at night with people from Penthouse Magazine and shot a bunch of sex scenes secretly. <laughs> He told them, and he, they filmed in Rome, so he had to fly all of these penthouse models out to Rome and secretly filmed a bunch of porn scenes with them. Wait, it gets better. The, the penthouse pets, they were told that they would be joining the cast of the Bond movie, The Spy Who Loved Me. Oh, my God. Hey, baby, baby, come here, come here. I got I got you a role in a movie. Oh you like James God. Bond? We got you a role on a James Bond movie. They fly to Rome. Where's James Bond? Oh, he's not going to be in the scene with you. <laughs> Here's Marco, the sound guy. Now blow him in the corner. Hey,
1: baby, we got 124 miles of dicks. <laughs> come on, come into this movie with me. That's probably not how he actually sounded.
0: No, it was the 70s in New York. That's exactly how he sounded.
1: I, I, I'm aware of this movie. I've never seen it, but I know that it's like two, and a, it's like two to three hours of like extremely yep. pornographic 159
0: material. minutes. Oh, my fucking... We'll get to it. We'll get to it. Oh, my God. We're still only on part, uh, part four. Um, part four of how many? Yeah, this is a seven. This is a seven-part story. Oh my God, seven miles of dicks. The producers took a mark. Uh, mark disliked to female Italian extras dubbing them ugly, so that's oh, why he didn't the like fuck? any of the extras. So he filmed his own scene. Oh my God, that's horrible. Uh, really and he spliced and he secretly spliced those scenes into the movie without telling anybody. So, basically, in the oh, movie, so you're watching he's, a he's, scene. He's, he's, what's his fuck? Brad Pitt. He's Brad Pitt. Essentially. Except, um, except, except. Yeah, except yeah. One yeah, frame, yeah he really it's is.
1: literal thousands of frames.
0: But wait, dude, dude, dude. So, you're yeah, watching a scene of, like, Malcolm McDowell and, and some generals talking, and then all of a sudden, it just cuts to two chicks eating each other out. And then it goes right back to the movie, like, nothing just happened. <laughs> like, it's not even subtle in the editing. Oh, my God. It's like if Game of Thrones lacked any sort of depth or or nuance <laughs> in its sex scenes. Oh my goodness. And they were all so thrown off by this. It was super absurd. Yeah, I would be thrown Tinto off. Brass was banned from the editing suite, so Guccione ended up editing the movie himself. Not the director. Oh. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. He, he dis- after they shot the movie, after he shot those, those 120 miles of dicks, he disappeared from the film saying it was supposed to be about the orgy of power, not the power of orgy.
1: That's the, that's the, the most like, faux intellectual douchey thing you could I know, possibly right? say.
0: And there was nothing they could do because Bob Guccione was the producer. He owned all of it, totally in his right. That's so upsetting. If Caligula was shown uncut at the Cannes Film Festival. 1979. Wow. There was an outcry, and studios refused, flat out refused to distribute it, but Guccione was (laughs) undeterred. Of course he isn't. So he decided to show it himself. What an entrepreneur. Yep. He couldn't get it into America because it was seized by customs. For literally just trying to see it in porn, they're like, you can't do this. He didn't even send it to the MPAA because he couldn't. He didn't want it to get an X free <laughs> Oh my god! So this guy just goes out and shoots a porn, and then is like, "No, I didn't shoot a porn." Oh my god!
1: That's awful. You know, you mentioned the the extras and the people being mad at him. I would be pretty mad too. Hey, you you tricked me into having sex on film,
0: like yeah. You said this is gonna be a Bond movie. I think I think I have a legal case against you. To be fair, he hired people from his porno magazine.
1: Still lying. Still a trick.
0: Yep. Still a trick. Still a trick. But like, are you shocked?
1: Well, yeah, actually, I'm shocked by this whole story. This whole yeah. grim
0: affair. The film finally premiered on the United States February first, 1980. And the Trans Luxe Theater, which Guccione had to rent ex- out exclusively to screen the film, cities it uh, would try to get shown in cities, and the local authorities would seize it and try to ban it. <laughs> As they write this happened, they this happened in Boston and Athens, Georgia. I mean, Sorry, Atlanta. Crime. Georgia. That's
1: crime on film. That's evidence of a crime on film.
0: And eventually, people who worked on the film started suing Guccione for sexual harassment, and he would just pay them off. Uh, what? Out of court. Oh God! Cool guy. Oh. It's still banned uncut in Australia as of twenty fourteen.
1: Well, that's not surprising. If it's, if if there's like the sight of blood in Australia, it's like an R rating. Prison
0: colony, it, and it's uh, only was recently uh, allowed to be shown in its entirety in England. Um, it cost seventeen point five million to make. What and it made yeah, and it made twenty three million. So it is technically a hit. Profitable. Okay, so... Would you that's call basically... it a blockbuster? I don't know if that's a wide enough... No, 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 not at all. It was supposed to be an epic. This was supposed to be like Lawrence of Arabia. Mm. There are over 10 clips of the film that appear on sites such as Pornhub and Xvideos.
1: Oh my god, seriously?
0: So I'm just gonna go through some of the graphic sex scenes. Don't
1: don't send me any links,
0: please. No, 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 I, I watched some of them. I've, I've seen bits and pieces and it's pretty bad. While Caligula, Caligula is giving a tour of his palace, Tiberius has Marco tie a drunk sentry's cock-off while the sentry is forced to drink a large amount of wine. A little later on, Tiberius splits the sentry's guts open with a sword. <clears throat> Caligula gets a tour of the Villa of the Monsters, which is Tiberius' pleasure gr- grotto filled with all kinds of deformed sexual wonders. Tiberius refers to them as living statues who do. This includes an orgy, a woman who puts a snake in her snatch, someone oh. fucking a bull, the pussy paddler, a wood oh. candle inserted in someone's ass, and the best of the Tiberius Stallions doing what he does best. There's also a deleted scene taking place in a park called the Torture Ward, but I don't think we should go into that one.
1: No, definitely not. That was, bad. That was being... bad enough.
0: While she's being masturbated on by several slaves, Anea remarks to Caligula that she doesn't really want to move to Egypt after they marry. So they're having a conversation! about their post-marriage plans oh, okay. while a bunch of hey, slaves hey, are just strumming her like a harp.
1: Can you can can you you scoot that? Can you scoot that? Just like two inches left. Two inches left, please. I want to make eye contact with my husband.
0: Well, listen, I'm going over the electric bill, hon, and a little to the left, darling, it's under the hood is where I like it. Just kind of circle under the hood. That's what mama likes. Okay. I was looking over the electrical bill, and I was noticing that I think they just overcharged us a little bit. Um... Marco is beheaded by the killing machine. There's also a thing oh, called the, the killing, killing machine. machine. That's just this gigantic awesome. knife monstrosity that. And it's during scenes of the killing machine they'll also cut to the two lesbians having sex. <laughs> the Greek chorus of it, really. And then there's a coin trick that the mute giant Sabinus performs where he throws one coin into a whore's vagina but pulls out two. So, magic! <laughs> So the most, most of the scenes, Ooh. though, are just incredibly long blowjob orgies.
1: And you, know, and you 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 know that because this was, when was this film? 19... 1979. 1979, that it was a real horse and that it was all really done and it was no uh, No, there were no,
0: sorry, there were no, no, no animals were, his stallion was just a guy with the size of a deck with like a giant horse deck. Oh, really? Yeah, 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 yeah. There are no okay. animals in it. Uh, but he's called oh, the Stallion in the movie.
1: That is still nasty. Oh, it's
0: still very disgusting. Um, and Caligula still fucks his sister in it. so.
1: Oh, oh thank God they kept that scene. Gorvidal, I'm sure, was very happy.
0: So when I said Caligula was a had a bunch of sexual perversity, there there was a point to that.
1: So did the man who created Penthouse
0: bob guccione. guccione
1: speaking of which
0: uh part seven after several wildly unsuccessful invention uh, investments by guccione including the penthouse boardwalk hotel and casino which lost 160 million and a never built nuclear fusion power plant what uh yeah this all added to guccione's financial woes woes so he had, and he tried to regain sales by doing a bunch of crazy, like, Hail Marys, including trying to get Monica Lewinsky to pose for the magazine after oh, the Bill Clinton scandal.
1: I remember hearing about that, yeah.
0: And offering the Unabomber a three forum for his views. Those didn't work out.
1: Trying to turn those financial woes into some financial woes. In
0: 2003, he declared bankruptcy. Um,. Uh, sorry, General Media, who published the magazine, declared bankruptcy because mm. the internet porn started to kick them in the ass. Yeah, And Guccione resigned as chairman and CEO. And the whole company filed for bankruptcy in t- 2013. But they emerged from protection and eliminated $300 million in debt. But oh, the well, shares I was about were... to say,
1: at least this had a happy ending, but I guess not. <laughs>
0: nope, the company shares were deregistered and will no longer trade an open market. Guccione died in 2010 of lung cancer. Oh, okay, good. Um, Malcolm McDowell, Peter O'Toole, and Helen Mirren went on to have very successful careers, but are still horribly embarrassed by what they're a part of. And of course, Gore Vidal went on to be Gore Vidal. Yes. So that's Caligula. Wow, yeah. Told you I had a doozy.
1: Man, that was a real... You know what? I thought you couldn't top yourself with Woody Allen's sexual history, but you done, went, and did it.
0: That's nothing.
1: Oh, God. Can you believe
0: Bob Guccione considered being a priest?
1: Yeah, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Considering the way the Catholic Church uh, protects their own. That's You true. know. I can buy that. We're hondo. 100%. 100%. Bring in. your tired, your weak, your poor, your sexually attracted to But other not
0: age. your ugly Italian extras. So that um, was that was episode 3, I guess.
1: I'm reeling, dog. Yeah. I'm reeling.
0: Oh man. Nintendo Power Pet Penthouse.
1: I mean, I guess I need to find like a really, really dark story in games, cause you you keep you keep trouncing me week after week, and we gotta get a good balance,
0: guy. <laughs> do you wanna? Do you have anything to plug?
1: Um, I've been writing a lot. Uh, I, my most recent piece is about. I went and saw Suicide Squad, not because ah. I wanted to watch that movie, but because uh, a lot of people had mentioned that it treated the whole abusive relationship angle between Harley and Joker in a gross way, and they didn't expand on why. And I wanted to write about it, given my experience with most of the people that I've dated. So I wrote about that. That's that's up on, uh, if, if you search Harley Quinn... Suicide Squad and abuse Tom uh, Thomas Lockney, that'll be on Game Informer and Destructoid. Uh, I also just write basically every day, so there's a huge body of work that I have. So yeah, that's what I'm plugging.
0: Nice. Follow us on Twitter. When our t- when we're t- when the podcast is finally set up, which will happen either this week or next week, uh, follow us on all the appropriate forums and whatnot. Um, you know. Review if you want. I don't really care. I'm, uh, we only have like th- three episodes recorded, so yeah. we're, we're ready to take our time with this. Yeah. Um, I make videos with my sketch group called Boys Night Video. You do. Uh, we just released a bunch of new stuff. We have some new stuff coming on the way. I think yeah. that's all I have to plug for now. So I'm Liam Senior.
1: And I'm Tom Lockney.
0: You go. You came up with it.
1: And I'll be there for you.
0: Call back. Full circle.